So it was 2001 and I had graduated from the University of San Diego and we were hosting my roommates and I a backyard barbecue at our house in Orange County, California. And a girlfriend of mine from school came over and she said, hey, Gina, do you have a job yet? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to go into politics and move to Washington, D.C. I have a job coming up in a couple of months. It starts back east. She said, well, why don't you kill some time and come to Roxa, this small advertising agency in Orange County. I've been there for a few months and they've already promoted me and they need a receptionist. And I thought, well, I'd, I'd love to make some money in a couple of months before I move back east. So why not be productive? And I rolled into Roxa and that was October 17th, 2001 as our receptionist. We were 15 employees at the time, a few million in revenue. And, and lo and behold, I never left. So I grew up at Roxa. My career started at Roxa. Roxa is now the largest independent woman-owned agency in the US. I'm president and CEO. And I've learned a lot from my mentor, Jill Gwaltney. I, I hope to tell you a little bit more about her. And I've really, I, I've grown up as a person too. Married three kids. And uh, I'm very grateful for all the opportunities that Rox has afforded me and everything I've learned. My name is Gina Allshuler, and I'm president and CEO of Roxa. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. Well, this is a good one you started with. You just kind of dove right into it. Uh, <laughs> why do we overcomplicate our lives? I think we overcomplicate our lives because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We also act out of fear often. I think we put pressure on ourselves to be loved, to be liked. I think we constantly think about the next thing we want to buy, the house with the third bedroom, so every child has their own room, a home-cooked meal every night on the table for our kids. We need to work 24 hours a day to really be a rock star. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to live a perfect life and to make others happy. Sometimes what we need to remember is to take a breath, uh, to be grateful for all we have, and I, you know, I really find that if I walk into every situation, easy or challenging, thankful and grateful for all that has been given me, I take a bit of the pressure off. But I, I think that's, that's hard. That's hard to do. And, and it's really hard to unleash yourself from the fear too. The fear factor can take over very easily. Yeah, what I noticed though, is that, and I don't know if this is a Southern California thing, but I, I hear, well, no, I, I mean, it's the truth. I, I hear more. So, you know, the, the whole notion of fear and being present and being, you know, the, the, the difference between the two, I tend to hear more about that from people in like California. And I hear a little bit about it from people in New York, but yeah. I mean, it just, it feels like that that entire area does embrace the idea of you just kind of have to take a breath and you have to make sure that you remember that this is for yourself first. Right. Well, I mean, it's hard to do. You look at the economics of it, right. uh, a high 
cost of living. You know, you look around your neighborhood and everyone's driving luxury cars and a lot of the kids are going to private schools and you start to wonder, uh oh, if my kids go to public school or am I not giving them the right education? So you start, it's very easy to be consumed by the environment that you're in. And I think that Southern California, New Yorkers, a lot of the bigger cities too, it's, there's such a highly a competitive drive mm. uh, to be successful in business. It's hard to take a breath and reset your personal expectations. Well, what, here's the second question that you put in. So this is, we'll call this a professional segue, but <laughs> this is, but it all worked out beautifully. What does being fearless mean then? I think that it means being confident in your opinion. And I think the word bravery is, is used a lot, especially when we talk about women uh, and women in business. But, you know, I do my homework going into the room. So going into a client conversation, even internal employee brainstorm meetings, an hour before the meeting, I'm frantically trying to over-inform myself before I walk in. So I think that having, so that I can have more confidence in the room. So I think being fearless for me is being confident in your own opinion and how I become confident in my opinion is doing my homework. And I also think the other piece of it is I play out hypothetical scenarios all the time in my head. And often I arrive at the conclusion of what is the worst that can happen? You know, are they going to boo me out of the room? Are they going to tell me that was the dumbest idea ever? And if they do tell me that and they do send me out of the room, what's the, is that so bad? Maybe I, you know, I mean, I'll walk right in the room tomorrow with another solution. So I, I look at things uh, and I, I'm always talking to young, especially young women in our organization around don't project the negative outcome. Mm. So being fearless, it's like, don't, don't tell yourself they're going to say no before you walk in. You know, think positively about everything. Even, oh, even a negative outcome, you can get a lot of positives out of that. You absolutely can. If you see the situation as a glass half full, right? right. As a learning experience. Every conversation, I'm going to learn something. Okay, uh, you know, I have to walk. Gosh, I can't even say how many times I've had to go in. And I can speak both professionally and personally about this. Go into a, a client situation and tell them, and it's extremely hard. Oh my gosh, your results are down. And here's why I think they're down. And here's what we're going to do about it. It's a tough conversation or gosh, me having to walk in and tell my kids, I need to get on an airplane tonight. And so you're going to have to come up with a different plan in the morning with dad, you know, tough conversations. It's like, but here's what we're going to do about it. Um, and here's the glass half full. Right. Right. And a bit more creative solutions probably. Oh, it, so. well, yeah. And sometimes that adversity, I mean, you're, you're going into it thinking adversity can be expected here, but I'm going to keep that in my back pocket because if I need, <laughs> I, you know, if I need it, I need it. But if I don't need it, which seems like with you, it's more often than not, you don't need it. And that starts with a strong opinion. And talk about like wavering from an opinion, because that's a tough one. You might go in with a strong point of view. How do you stay strong in your opinion? It's interesting because... I also see, I'm probably too easily persuaded. Let's start with that. Okay. So I'm not the one who's going to be so adamant that it's my way or the highway oh, sure. in, by no, any stretch of the imagination. But 
I think you have to be a good listener and you have to understand cues and you have to put yourself in other shoes. Mm -hmm. So if I can understand another person's perspective, then I can persuade them to see my opinion, but through their own eyes. Ah, yep. That's the trick. It's never really just my opinion. It's never really, you know, it's going into the room well-informed. I'm across the table from clients trying to solve really tough business challenges, not advertising or marketing challenges often, but business challenges. Mm -hmm. I'll inform myself on their environment, everything I need to know about their business. But then when I come in the room, I also come in with 10, what I think are smart questions. Mm. And in the room, I'm really going to listen to what they, what they say. And on the fly, I will know enough to get us to a new solution together. And it will never felt like I walked in with an idea I'm trying to sell them because genuinely I didn't. We're coming up with it together. What are you inspired by? Oh, I love this one. You chose it. (laughs) I'm inspired by people. If you can't tell over the five minutes of talking with me. You're very shy. uh, You're very shy. I gain happiness for good or bad from others. So I am inspired by people's stories. Mm. I love hearing about people's backgrounds, the adversity they've faced, how they've overcome it, things that get them excited. I was so Verizon and this will be my, my total plug for a program. I hadn't planned on this, but it's definitely worth worth mentioning. They launched in partnership with us and some of their other fabulous ad agencies, a program called Verizon Ad Fellows this week. Mm. And they've recruited about 20 fellows from across the country, most of them recent college grads, to go through a program where they rotate between agencies in New York. They get like two months at each agency and two months at Verizon. And they get this amazing experience across all different things from media to creative to digital to PR and such. And at the opening event last month, this past Monday, I had the great fortune to actually get to meet all these fellows. And as we were standing there talking, I mean, there was one gentleman who had moved from LA. He'd never been to New York before in his life, two days in New York. And and his apartment catches on fire and he's now living in a hotel room and he has no, you know, half of his clothes are gone. His laptop's gone. And so we were talking all about what it means to come to New York and experience something like that. And so, you know, we talked about life in LA and, and how we can help him adjust to New York and, and his family and his friends and what he's excited about and what he's worried about. And that half an hour with him, I got more out of that. I was more inspired by him and his bravery and like, okay, I'm going to go buy new clothes and a laptop. <laughs> then frankly, the six months of sitting in a room and assembling the curriculum for the program. It's amazing. Like yeah, stories are amazing. Yeah. So I like people's life stories. And, and then I would say that, you know, back to your question, what am I inspired by? I would say the second thing. And again, this is probably an obvious one, especially when you talk to, uh, to young women, maybe, but uh, you might've heard this one before, but I would say my kids, uh, I have a seven, six and two year old and they are fearless. 
And <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> yeah, good, good or bad, man. Because sometimes I think maybe I'm, maybe my youngest I think needs a little bit more fear in his life. He's he's a renegade uh, in the making, but I like seeing the world through their eyes. It's refreshing. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? Uh, experience the world outside your home. That's a must. I, I studied abroad in college. I did semester at sea. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So you go around the world in 100 days and visit about 10 countries. And you meet students from all across the country and from your visiting countries. And you uh, you go to an orphanage in India and you walk the streets of you know, Istanbul and, and you, I got, had the great fortune of going to North Vietnam. You see the world, you, you learn that there are common traits and desires by many, and yet you get to sort of experience things that aren't the Orange County bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. What's a must experience? A must experience is definitely meeting people outside of your home and hearing their stories and understanding what makes them happy and what they're worried about. Um, I think getting to push yourself into a few uncomfortable scenarios is good too. Uh, walking <laughs> safely, walking down the dark alley, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of, and then realizing you, you make it to the other end. I think understanding how others live and, and survive is, is a good thing. What is a must read? This one was easy for me. The Alchemist. Okay. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Uh, I read it early on in college and every now and then I bust it back out. And actually to piggyback on the question you just asked, it reminds me that it's good to explore the world. Um, And, and I, I just, I, I'm just inspired by the story. I think good storytelling too. It's amazing how some of them just stand the test of time and, and they're like the go back to books, right? Or the go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Siddhartha is kind of the same thing for me. Yeah. Oh, which one is for you? Siddhartha. Oh, I have not read that. That was, it was one of those books that we were assigned in like high school and then we begrudgingly read it in high school. And then as you get older, you realize what it actually is. And I found that in certain times when I'm stressed or if I'm like uber stressed, I, I will bust that book out and it puts it into proper perspective for me. I will download it on Amazon Audible tonight. <laughs> <laughs> love it. What's a question you've never been asked before that you would love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? I look at the world, again, back to something I mentioned at the beginning, thankful for all that I have been given. And I'm grateful that I have a job that I love, that I get to see people that I love every day. I'm appreciative for all that my job has given me and opportunities to travel and meet new people. And so I'm energized by that. And I wake up happy to see my family and happy to get after it. I can't be energized slumped in my chair. So (laughs) (laughs) running around energized is the way you usually find me around Roxa. You don't, you don't strike me as a like to sit around type of person. Is that, is that a fairly accurate assumption? That is a totally accurate assumption. Every now and then I, I can appreciate some 
late night house hunters <laughs> when I'm really who can't right on the couch <laughs> yes but other than that uh usually you find me up up and about there's never enough time and way too much to do every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever's on their mind for a minute or two and as i understand it we'll be wrapping in the last word piece of advice in this as well so without further ado the floor is yours I think early on, my mentor at Roxa, Jill Gwaltney, she taught me that there's no replacing hard work. And, and actually, I saw that growing up in my dad. My dad worked tirelessly uh, to provide for us. And so I think that advice I have for people is show up, do the work. And, and then the icing on the cake is be bold. So don't be afraid back to some of the things we've talked about to speak up and to speak up with confidence. So show up, work hard, be bold. And, and in advertising, a lot of it is tenacity too in what we focus on, especially as we talk about data-driven advertising. That's sort of the, the rocks of specialty. It's not easy. I can't solve a business problem with just, I'll say, a beautiful ad. I have to figure out all of the, the offstage details and the platforms and the tools and the data manipulation to anticipate what a consumer wants to hear and at what moment and through what channel and how I'm gonna measure that success. It's a lot of hard work and it takes time. And often people give up halfway through because it's just too hard. It's the ugly stuff sometimes. And so the tenacity and the grit and the hustle at Roxa, the, the phrase that we use to describe our culture is head, heart, hustle. And I would say hustle is the hardest thing to measure and to find. Uh, but when you find it, you know, you know you're meant to be at Roxa. So it's that tenacity, it's being bold, and it's, it's bringing the hustle every day. And a little caffeine helps too. But. <laughs> Gina, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really liked your perspective, point of view, and man, the energy. You bring it all the time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. 